Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as we finish up this chapter here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and our text this morning will be verses 24 to 27. Paul writes, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we tackle our text here this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us this morning. We know that nothing will be accomplished here outside of the Holy Spirit's work, and so I pray that he will work in each one of our hearts, that he will illuminate this text and the truths and bring it to our hearts and convict us. So, Heavenly Father, be in this time to, to today. Build your church. Protect your word, I pray in your name. Amen. How many of you have watched any of the Olympics in Japan that are taking place? We have a few people who are shyly putting up their hands. Well, the Olympics are actually going on, for, for you who didn't know, in Japan. And as we look at the competition over there, we see, we see athletes who are competing. And they are competing hard, and they are competing for to win the prize. They want the gold medal. That is what they are after. But for them to get where they are at, they need to work on their craft. They need to exercise. They need to take nutrition. They need to stretch. They have all of these things that must take place before they are ready to be presented at the Olympics. You don't see a lot of fat people who are getting off the couch and getting up there to run the 100 meters, do you? Right? You don't see people just deciding to go in at the last minute. It's not like you apply and you get in. You actually have to qualify. And they say that the average Olympic athlete has put in 10,000 hours in order to compete in the Olympics. 10,000 hours. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of discipline. That's a lot of sacrifice to get there. And today, Paul is really going to go with that idea. And he's going to say, there are going to be certain things that you need to do if you're going to run the Christian life, if you're going to be someone who's used by God to spread the gospel, there are certain things that you're going to have to do in order to run to win. And Paul says, I want you to run to win. I want you to run to be successful. 
But he says there are certain things that are going to have to take place. There are certain things that are going to have to characterize your run. They're going to have to characterize who you are in order for you to get there. And so as he comes to this text, he's going to give us really four characteristics that we must exhibit in order to run to win the prize, in order to run so that we will win the prize. Four characteristics. And he's going to say to you, you are going to need determination. You are going to need discipline, self-discipline. Ugly word, but it's, it's here, right? Discipline. You're going to need direction, and then you're going to need denial. There are four things that you are going to have to exhibit in order to run the, the race well. Now, we know that it, as Paul has been coming through 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's been talking about giving up your rights. Giving up your rights. In other words, this is what you're going to have. You need to give up your rights for the sake of the gospel. And Paul started off and he said, you Corinthians who are all fighting because you want your freedoms and your liberties and you think that you can eat meat, sacrifice to idols because you're strong. He says, wait a minute. Not so fast. Don't do anything that will cause your brother to stumble and fall into sin. And then Paul says, look at, look at me. Look at all the rights that I have to take money as I share the gospel. And he gave us six reasons why, we should be, why he had the right to share the gospel. And ultimately, Paul says, I have the right to take money from those I share the gospel to. But he says, I choose not to. Because I want to, don't want to do anything that will cause people to stumble and think that I'm here to make money off the gospel. I don't want to give anything that will stop a hearing of the gospel. And so he says, I, I've given up my rights for others. I've sacrificed and I'll work hard so that I can give the gospel without free because that's my reward is to give the gospel to others. He says, I want to see other people saved and I want to be a fellow partaker of the gospel. Well, now Paul comes to, to this part here and he says, really, this is how it's going to be achieved. This is what you're going to need to do in order for you to be able to give up your rights. Here's some of the mindset or the characteristics that must be demonstrated in your walk so that you are actually able to do that. And so he begins here in verse 24 and he says, here is the determination that you will need in order to run to win the prize. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win, that you may win. Now, Paul as it would seem now we're not we can't say for certain but it seems like Paul might have been a guy who likes sports because he uses those analogies a lot right now maybe he was just pre he was just using illustrations for an audience but I do think this might just might be something that would tell us that watching sports is not necessarily a sin in and of itself okay so we we, we want to I like sports, so I'm kind of on, I'm, I'm going to assume that Paul likes sports. But he does use these analogies 
in order to help us. Now, this is what we do know. That in the Greek Roman Empire, really since the time of, wait for it, Alexander the Great, there was the Olympic Games. And so sport was, was part of, of, the, uh, of the fabric of society. And so the Olympics were the big thing. But Corinth had their own set of game, known as the Ishmian Games, that, they took, that took place in Corinth. It was second only to the Olympic Games that were held in Greece. These games were centered around pagan holidays where there was much feasting, amusement, and excitement. Important people from all over Greece and, and the Roman Empire would assemble for the games which consisted of leaping, throwing the disc, and javelin, boxing, wrestling, and all kinds of dash and long-distance runs. Only free men, not slaves, could enter into the games as contestants. And each event, only one of the contestants could be the winner, taking home the prize and reward. Now, it's interesting that they were required to demonstrate that they could actually have trained for 10 months before they were allowed in the games. And that last 30 days, they would actually go to Corinth and they would train in public so everybody could see them. And Paul says, this is what's, this is what's taking place. He says, when those people enter a game, when they enter a race, which this, the word run here has the idea uh, is used for a, a short dash. He says, all those who are, enter into the race run. Now, again, he's asking, he's, this is a rhetorical question. He asks them, do you not know? Of course they knew, right? And it only makes sense. If you enter into the race, you what? You run. That's pretty straightforward. So he says, everyone who's in the race actually runs. But he says, only one person gets the prize. And so Paul is saying to us, listen, in the Christian walk, once you're saved, you're all in the race. You're all in the race. So you have to run. Now, it's just a matter of how well you're going to run, right? It's just a matter of how well that you are going to be able to run. But Paul says, run, which is an imperative, which is a command, in such a way that you may win. Now, many commentators and many people emphasize the prize here. But I think that Paul's main idea in this verse is to tell you to what? Run. Run. Okay? So he's saying, you need to run. You, in other words, the word run here has the idea of, of putting in a, a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, concentration. It means calling upon every ounce of energy and putting forth all of one's strength. There is no place for half-heartedness. And Paul says, this is what you need to do. You need to run. You need to run to win. Now, you might say, well, if only one person gets the prize, what's the point? Right? Because I'm looking across, and there's, there's super theologian, super Christian over there, right? He knows, he knows the Bible like the back of his hand, and he's so pious. And guy, I'll never win. Well, the good news is here 
The word you, when he says that you may win, is in the plural. Maybe you all. We're going to have to invent a way to say that in English where the, where the plural second person is, is actually, we can distinguish it, right? You and you, you can be singular, it can be plural. Maybe we'll just have to go use. I don't know. That sounds like a, like a lamb, right? Use. But anyway, but he's saying this is plural. This is plural. And so he says, you all can win. You can all run in a way that is determined to win. He says, this prize, therefore, can be won by all. And so he says, I want all of you to be determined in your effort to win the prize. I want you to be determined in the way that you run. In other words, if you're going to run to win the prize, you have to determine that you will use all of your effort and everything that you have in order to achieve it, all your strength. Don't leave anything behind, right? So he says, you don't, you don't get down to the 100-yard dash and then you just kind of like, well, I'll go at 50% and we'll see how things turn out. If I need to turn up the gas a little bit later in the race, I'll do it. Too late. It has to be all you have. And Paul says, if you're, going to be, if you're going to win this race, if you're going to win the prize, if you're going to move and be faithful, he says, you're going to have to do that. In other words, if your goal is to what? To give the gospel and bring people to salvation, you need to put full effort into it. There's no half-heartedness in this. You can't just kind of play at the edges you're going to have to run with all of your strength. And so he challenges us right off the start. Listen, you want to run well, you want to bring people to salvation, you want to give them the gospel, and now we know that God is the one who saves, but if you're the one sharing the gospel, you want to be faithful to that task, he says you're going to have to do it with all your strength. You're going to have to be determined. And you're going to have to be willing to give up whatever is necessary in order to do that. And so he calls us and he says, each one of you, no exception, all of you run with that determination, putting all your effort into it so that you might win that prize. If you want to share the gospel, then you need to put full effort into it. Well, Paul doesn't stop there. He says, not only do you need to be determined he says you need to be disciplined. You need discipline. He says for everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. In other words, he who competes, who continually competes, continually exercises self-control. This is a lifestyle of them. So we ta already talked about athletes. When they start to prepare for the games, they are controlled in all areas, right? There's a, they want to go, all, everybody wants to go out for a movie and stay out late. What does the athlete do? He goes home. Is there anything wrong with going out late? No. But he goes home, why? To sleep so that he's ready to train. He makes sacrifices. When everybody else is sitting on the couch watching TV, he's out pounding the pavement and running or lifting weights, right? He watches what he puts in his body. 
He doesn't take that extra piece of pizza, right? He's disciplined. Why? Because his goal is what? He's self-controlled. He has self-control. Now, right away, we just want to make this statement. Self-control is a product of what? It's a fruit of what? The Spirit. In other words, this isn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But this is being so controlled by the Holy Spirit that you, are able, you, that you are more desiring to do what Christ wants you to do than what you want to do. And you are willing to put aside whatever interferes with that. Now you'll notice as we've come through this book, and we've touched on it here to this morning, that he's called them to be self-controlled. In other words, I want you to give up your rights for other people. Right? He's already said, you need to be willing to limit your liberties and your freedoms for the gospel's sake, for your brother's sake. And so he says, I want you, to, I want you uh, not to eat meat. Why? Because I don't want you to cause your brother to stumble. And we talked about there was those things that we can do. Even culturally, we understand that you're not going to invite Jewish people over to eat pork. Right? And maybe we will have to dress in a certain way so that we don't offend the ethnic group we're trying to reach with the gospel. That's okay. We can use our freedom to dress that way. But you'll notice that little prepositional phrase at the end there. And it's just kind of nasty. It says, self-control in all things. In all things. Oh, Paul, what are you doing? He's just broadened it and he's just made it more difficult. Because Paul's saying, yeah, I want you to give up your rights. I want you to be ready to sacrifice for others, for their good. But I want more than that. I want you to get rid of anything in your life that hinders your ability to share the gospel with others. Anything. In all things. And unfortunately, right here, all means all. And Paul is saying very clearly, I want you to lay aside anything in your life that interferes with your testimony and your ability to share the gospel. Anything. Well, what do you mean anything, Paul? I mean anything. Right? So it's not just, you're not just looking around and going, okay, uh, you know what? So-and-so used to be an alcoholic, so I'm not going to drink alcohol, or I'm, I'm going to not eat meat or pork in front of a Jewish person. But now he says, I want you to go take an inventory of your life and all of your activities and all of the things that you do. And I want you to put an eraser to everything that doesn't have this goal in mind. Any activity, anything that you're doing. So he says, guess what? There are many things in your life that we would call are amoral. They're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but he says there's many things in your life that are not that profitable. He says, get rid of them. 
Now, I'm going to meddle just a little bit, right? But he says, listen, how, how much time do you spend watching TV? Now, for <laughs> most of you now, you're like, of course we don't watch TV. But I'm going to keep going because this is where we're, we're headed, right? How about how much time do you spend on the internet and your computer? How much time do you spend on your phone? Oh, or your tablet, just in case you're a legalist and you're saying, ha didn't mention the tablet, right? Now, I'm sure there are pieces of technology that an old guy like me doesn't know about. But the idea is what? How profitable is it? How much does it consume you? How much time does it keep you from doing things that are important? Now, this could even, like I just want to make clear, this could even apply to knitting, right? It doesn't have to be anything that is, that is particularly bad. But what is in your life that keeps you away from being able to share the gospel? Is there anything that's left in your life where you look and you say, listen, I love, I was going to say love to watch hockey, but let's leave that out of that. <laughs> I love to watch football, right? How, how much value does that, is that keeping you from doing the thing that you should be? Do I sleep too much? What is that? There are just many areas of your life. And Paul said, you need to do an inventory of your life and say, listen, yes, I'd like to do that. But am I willing to get rid of it? Am I willing to discipline myself to the point where I would rather do what is good for Christ than for me? And so he says, you need to discipline yourself. Anything that would stop your effectiveness in sharing the gospel. He says this, then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. In the games, they used to have a, a, a wreath made out of pin needles or different types of leaves. And they would get this little crown that they would put on their hands, the victor wreath. But in a few days, it would be dead. And even though they were, were given honor by their, often by their, by their city and they were given tax exemption, which is kind of nice, uh, for, for winning the games and they had fame for a while, even that fame died away, right? To the next Olympics and someone else won. It was fleeting. Yet these athletes put all of this effort and all of this time for something so temporal and fleeting and he says, we as believers, as we go share the gospel and as we live our lives before the world, he says, we don't do it for a perishable wreath. We do it for an imperishable crown. We do it for eternal reward that will be ours forever. We will stand before God and we will receive that reward. 2 Timothy 2 2 Timothy 4, 8. They run in order to receive a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award on that day. 
recognizing that as we share the gospel and as there's a harvest, Paul said, you are my glory. There's a sense in which even those who are what? Saved by our sharing the gospel are what? Our crown, Paul says. And yet we do it for an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved for us in heaven, 1 Peter 1, 4. But if we are to gain this, we must be self-controlled. No Christian will be successful in witnessing or in anything else worthwhile without discipline. Every good thing we accomplish, whether in learning, business, artistic skill, marriage, spiritual living, witnessing, or whatever, is accomplished to self-discipline and what? Self-control. You look at your life and you look at your accomplishments. None of those came without that. And he says, don't think that the spiritual realm is any different. If you are going to be successful, you need to be self-controlled. Well, Paul says you need, first of all, to be, you need discipline, He said, you need to have determination. Now he says you need direction. Direction. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Paul says, actually, if I'm going to win this, I have to have a direction. In other words, I have to be focused. I have to be set on what it is I'm after. And so Paul says, I run in such a way as not to be without aim. Probably referring to a dash runner here to illustrate how Christians should run in the spiritual life. In the dashes, the Greeks would run with their eyes fixed on a pole at the end of the race. And they would run to that pole and they would keep their eye on the goal at the finish line. And Paul says, we need to be doing the same thing. We need to have our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And we need to have the, uh, be looking towards where we are going. And if our purpose is to share the gospel and bring others to salvation then we need to have our eye on it. We must not lose focus. We not, must not get distracted. We must continue on in that direction. We must run. The idea is we need to what? Hasten. We need to get after it. We need to run with direction. And then he says... I don't shadow box is basically what he says. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And Paul says, listen, I'm not just out there winging it. I'm not just, right? He says, I'm actually fighting the good fight. I'm making sure that every time that I throw a punch, it lands. I'm strategic. 
I do nothing in my spiritual life that's casual or flippant. I have a purpose. Paul says, I'm not throwing punches and never landing on an opponent, but I'm doing everything in my life that is strategic towards eternity and, and the sharing of the gospel. And Paul says, this is what I'm doing. I have an aim, I have a purpose, and I'm purposeful in every action that I have. I have a direction. I don't waste energy on that which just will produce no results. And so he says, I, I do whatever I have to strategically to do that. I discipline myself. I beat the air. So he says, I have this direction, I have this purpose, and I, and I go towards it. So Paul says, listen, you need the determination, you need discipline, you need a direction. And then he says, you need denial. Denial to self. Look with me at verse 27. He says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And if we were, if we're, if we follow in context here, it's like one of the thing, one of the things that Paul punches is himself, right? I'm not beating the air. One of the things that I bruise, one of the things that I hit is myself. He says, I discipline my body. Literally, I, I give it a black eye, right? I punch it under the eye. Paul says, I will, I will, I will be in control of my body. He says, I, I treat it as roughly as I need to, not to give in to its desires. Now, earlier we talked about self-control, but we kind of had that idea of, of, of dealing with taking things out of our lives and being willing to give them up. But here Paul is now talking specifically about his body. And he says, I do whatever is necessary to bring my bodily desires and functions under my control. I don't give in to my body. I'm in charge of it. In fact, he says, I make it my slave. I lead it around like a slave. It doesn't control me. It doesn't tell me when to go to bed. It doesn't tell me when to get up. It doesn't tell me what to eat. It doesn't tell me when to eat. Any of the desires of my body, the desires of my flesh, whether it's my sexual appetite, my food appetite, whatever appetite it is, he says, I'm the one who's in control of it. I, I march it around like you would a slave. There are many of those who... As Christians, we are dictated by our bodies, right? We know we are. 
We look and sometimes we're just like, well, I'd get up and read my Bible this morning, but I, I'm just tired, right? I'm just tired. And I would go to church, but you know what? I stayed up too late. There are legitimate reasons for not being here. If you're sick, you're not well, we, we, recognize, we recognize feebleness. But there are some of us who just give in to our body all the time. We eat when it tells us to. We don't push ourselves beyond our limits. Right? I could help, my, I could help do this, but what? I just don't feel like it today. And Paul says, I'll do whatever I have to do in order to keep my body in check. I'll learn to say no to my body. And for some of us, and we've spoken about this before, some of us are actually going to have to learn to do that. Where we're going to have to learn to say no to things that we could even do and are not necessarily bad to get into the practice of, of saying no to our flesh. And we're going to have to mortify our flesh and we're going to have to put it in its place so that it doesn't run the show. God gave you a body so that you could fulfill the role and the things that he wants for you to do. But he doesn't expect that your body will now dictate what you do. God has given you a mandate. He said, go into the world and share the gospel, right? Make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your body wasn't given to you so that it could run the show and tell you how you do that or what you do. Your body was given to you so that you could fulfill the mandate that God gave you. And so we must take control of it. Paul dealt harshly with his body. He didn't want to be lazy, slothful, indifferent, even rebellious. And so he disciplined his body. And he says, if we're going to be successful in, in, in living the Christian life and sharing the gospel and bringing others to Christ, we too are going to have to have that same commitment to deny our, our bodies, deny our impulses. As believers, remember, we're still in a, what, a remnant of the flesh. We still have a fleshly body that is susceptible to sin and desires. And we need to take control. Now, we can't do it on our own. We know that we must do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we've been given the Spirit. And therefore, we have the power to be obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to give in to sin, right? Second Corinthians 10. He made him sin. No, that's the wrong verse. Right? God is faithful what? When we are tempted to give us a way of escape, right? That we might be able to endure it. There's no temptation taking you by what's common to man, right? There's nothing that comes into your life that God has not empowered you to have victory over. And he, has, he gives us victory over our flesh. And then Paul says this, I discipline my body. 
I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will what? Not be disqualified. And Paul says, I, I, am, I am subjugating my own flesh so that nothing arises from it that would end up disqualifying me as a man of God, that would disqualify me from his service, that would disqualify me from being able to share the gospel. Paul says, I, I don't want to be that guy who started out and I told everybody else how to do it. I gave you all the instructions on how to, to live a life that would help you win the race and be pleasing to God and win others to Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be the guy who did all of that and then in the end find myself to be unfaithful, find myself to be the one who didn't follow the instructions that I gave others and be, not be able to what, share the gospel. For Paul said, remember Paul said, this is my, what is then is my reward? Verse 18, that when I preach the gospel, I may the, offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. My joy is what? To share the gospel. My rewards to do is for free. I'm under compulsion to do it. And he says, I don't want to be the guy who falls on the wayside. And Christianity is full of believers and leaders who were just like, who started out well. Who started out well, who were doing things that are being used by God. I was going to say doing great things, but God was working through them and they were sidelined. Because of some sin in their life that set them aside. And Paul says, I will do whatever I need to do to deny my flesh so that I might be used by God to spread the gospel to others. And so Paul says, here's how you win the prize. How do you win the prize that when you get to heaven and you hear what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you see those who come to salvation and they are your crown and your glory. And he says, all of that is yours if you will run as I have told you. If you will follow these, if your run is characterized by these characteristics, he says, you will win. You will be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive reward. So he says, be determined. Be disciplined. Have direction. Keep your eyes on the prize. And ultimately deny your flesh. And he says, then you will win. You will win. You will run your Christian life like you should. And you will be used of God to share the gospel. And he says, be willing to do that. Be willing to give up all of those rights. Give up willing everything. And run this way that God might use you to bring others to salvation. I pray that, that, is a, that we see the wisdom in what Paul says and that we will be obedient and that our walk will be characterized by these four characteristics. And if we do, then God will use us to save others and we will ultimately receive the prize where we will hear, well done, Thou good and faithful servant. Let's close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you for its clarity. And I pray that you would help each one of us to run in such a way that we may win. And so I pray that you would apply your word to each one of our hearts where we need it. And that we would live lives that are sold out for you and for the spread of the gospel. And I pray that you would use us here today to build your church as we go forth and share the gospel and that there might be a harvest, not for Bowmanville Baptist Church, not for us, but for your glory, I pray in your name. Amen.